Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Howdy. Happy uh, NBA draft night week. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's day after NBA draft morning for everyone actually listening to this, aside from John and I, but um, we are currently recording during the middle of the first round. Yeah, we are, uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, uh, we are recording a live podcast, but uh, we are not letting you listen to it live, because that would make sense. Yes, you missed out on, on all, all fun banter that will eventually be released uh, in the the box set version of this podcast in the future. Yeah, Dan and I spent about four minutes just like going on about nonsense before this podcast started. Should have probably invited you guys to that, but nah, we're good. That's for the, the premium subscribers. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to chop out trap house this thing, and we're, we're, we're going to release two minutes of the podcast every Wednesday, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then remind you that you're not a paid subscriber. You and do not pay for this content. No. Um, so Dan, so far, let's. Uh, we don't really have to recap it for the people because the people will know what's happened throughout the draft. Um, the Bucks you all know where Tyler Lydon's going. We do not. Yeah, we do not at this <laughs> juncture. Uh, the Bucks just picked, maybe? I don't know. No. Sorry, I have the draft on, on mute. So Same. Yeah, so the Bucks are picking. They're picking at some point. I, I'm just relying upon, and I'm just seeing the Bucks Actually, guys, this empty empty stare that isn't as, like, isn't as serious as it used to be because now it doesn't have pupils. Actually, the Bucks have picked because in real time, which is Adrian Wojnarowski time, the Bucks took Michigan's DJ Wilson, and also the Pacers have also taken TJ Lee from UCLA. Uh, ESPN is a solid two picks behind uh, real life. Is Lee what's what's his position? He's like a, a like a, a stretch wing of some sort. All right, because I, I was saying on Twitter earlier that um, every power forward that goes is a good thing for Tyler Lydon, technically. I guess he's like a stretch four. He just hits ten. I didn't realize he was that tall. So yeah, he's he's like he's like pro, like a Leiden-esque player. So I guess that is good. It takes two straight. Takes a die. Yes. Seems like there were a lot of power forwards in this draft, which is the other problem for Tyler Leiden getting selected. Other than his like, I mean, he shot well at the combine, but he didn't necessarily thrill anybody with his size or his strength or his BMI or anything like that. I, I think. I'm starting to buy the talk that he could fall into the second round, but if he does, it will be within the first couple picks, and whoever gets him, it will be a steal. Yeah, uh, this morning I like was thinking like it really wouldn't shock me if Leiden fell first. It seems like our players have had a tendency of slipping farther than we expect them to. I guess like recent, those people have like bucked that trend. Like Dion went way earlier, and I guess Johnny went probably a little earlier than we thought. But um, it wouldn't shock me if he fell in the second round, just based on like the the blood of players like him in this draft, and also just like the general talent pool in this draft. But most of the mocks have had him like right around twenty one to twenty eight. So we're entering we're in peak line range, and assuming 
this draft doesn't like come to a halt, we probably will hear where he goes during this uh, during this whole podcast thing, which like, will be fun. Yeah. Live reaction. Right now, we are uh, we're kind of like at early stage, Lydon. I, I think that I think Lydon, you're probably right. I think 21 is probably uh, that's the Raptors, I believe, right? Yes. 21 is no, 21's OKC. 23 is Toronto, who both could take him. Portland at 20 could also take him. Although they traded that pick, I think, right? They're, uh, I think they traded that pick to Sacramento. The way the NBA does this, it's just so hard to keep track. Why, yeah, like, I'm on ESPN, and it still has Portland as the pick, but uh, but they have a little trade symbol. But, like, I don't know why they don't tell you, like, this is going to this team. Like, I know it's unofficial yet, but come on. I just so Sacra- Like, if you're the NBA, like, why? Like, what's the, what's the importance of, of not changing? Billis has a beard now? What is going on? <laughs> this is wild. Yeah, I like just turned this on like in the last couple minutes. <laughs> this is um, Toronto <laughs> or Atlanta. Atlanta's at nineteen. That wouldn't. Uh, I don't know that. Like, I don't know the roster well enough right now, especially after the Dwight Howard trade. But like, that seems like maybe a place that seems a little early though. So I think um, I don't know about Sacramento. I might just hope he doesn't go to Sacramento because that franchise then, is a train wreck. Careers go to die. <laughs> Shout out to Malik Richardson. Um, uh, Twenty-one to OKC would be fun. 22 to Brooklyn, I think they still have that pick, although there's a trade thingy next to it. They grad in the front office, don't they? They have, uh, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and they have Jeremy Grant, who OKC fans really like, which is a nice uh, turn of, you know, change of uh, pace. Isn't he a free agent this summer? I think he might be restricted. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. That's fine. We're, we're, we're well prepared. Uh, but they do, I know OKC fans like him, so they hope to keep him either way. Yeah, and I, uh, you know what? Some of the Hawks folks seemed like he could go there. Oh, they interviewed you. I forgot about that. Yeah, from what I from what I took it from them, and then all the the Hawks fans that chimed in after. Um, it seems like there's a bunch of them who were very similar to Syracuse fans, and where they just say no to everything just for kicks. Um, and then there's a whole nother like group of people who are like, yeah, sure, like he seems like a shooter and somebody who could help us out. And, and apparently, our recording software. Sorry, I thought our recording software just like stopped for some reason, but it didn't. Let's <laughs> uh, say we might have the Hawks pick in John Collins. Okay, I mean another power forward. Yeah, not not ideal, but at the same time, power forwards are coming off the board. The problem is, we are just introducing the Bucks pick on ESPN right now, and Wadge is three ahead, which is just great. That's the other problem with the NBA draft. It should really just be a televised version of him sitting in like his office, which is actually not too far from me. Next year, that might be it. It's like ESPN. He's apparently going to ESPN, which has been on, being you know it's been talked about for months, and it just hasn't been introduced yet somehow. To the point where Dan Levitard in his show the other day was like, "He works for us, right?" Oh, he doesn't. Not yet. <laughs> and might have gotten in trouble. <laughs> you know, oddly, I am wearing Bucks colors right now. I have on a uh, forest green t-shirt with a uh, kind of tannish beige polo logo on it. So that does fit the bill. I also could go get, that I, I meant to sell on eBay and never did, my Brandon Jennings Bucks jersey upstairs. Uh, that's a thing you own? It is a thing I own. <laughs> I, own a, I own a Brandon Jennings Bucks jersey. I also own the, uh, the black and gold... Uh, Gilbert Arenas uh, Wizards jersey. 
that aged well. <laughs> that aged magnificently. No, actually, I bought it after I, I aged. Uh, yeah, like I bought it after it had fully aged already. You bought it after the incident, the oh, gun yeah. incident. Oh yeah, well after. How much did you spend on it? Fifteen dollars on eBay. Fair enough. Worth every cent. <laughs> <laughs> it is clothes. People do need those. I have never worn it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's just sitting in the closet. That's like the closest thing to like me buying that Tim Lester XFL card like three years ago. Fair. Yeah, I've got those two jerseys up there. I've also got um, I've got the Dirk, um, the the green Diddy designed Mavericks jersey. Oh God, I forgot about those. Yeah, I have that up there too. I said it's Dirk. Yeah, I have that one, and I also have um, like way back. Um, when they originally changed the uniform for the Mavs, I had the uh, Michael Finley uh, white jersey. Here's a good question. Why did Diddy, notably not a person from Dallas, design a Dallas Mavericks jersey? Because Mark thought, Cuban thought it was cool? Probably. And, and like, I know he wasn't going to design a Nitz jersey, but like, why a Mavericks? He, he is from New York, right? Yeah, I think so. I thought, I think yeah, I think, pretty sure. Probably. I mean, I know he's been a lot of time there. He was born in Harlem, raised in Mount Vernon, so yeah. Uh, don't know why he would design a Dallas, Maver- Dallas Mavericks jersey, but the, this was the early 2000s, so things were weird. Things were weird, people made questionable design decisions. You look at the NBA logos, and actually any league's logos now, and all the design decisions that were made from like 1995 through like 2003 have all been reversed. For, for good reason. For good reason, but like it's it's... We're looking back at it now and thinking it's really stupid. Like, you're going to look back at it 20 years and, like, you're going to see, like, and Chris Creamer's site will still be around. And you'll look through, like, the, the, the list of logos for every single team and you'll just see this blip for all of them. <laughs> like, what the hell did you do for 15 years? And then everybody went right back to what they had before. Lots of turquoise, lots of purple. Turquoise, purple, and black, which was. I blame my. Uh, I realized I needed a black baseball cap because I really didn't have any because all my teams are blue um so i bought a black mets hat uh, and then i wore it to the game last night and i don't know if i'm ever gonna wear it again based on i will say it's speaking of tur- turquoise and purple uh, as a night that will also remind us that the nets messed up really badly a couple years ago the nets are also not named the swamp dragons which could have been a thing and uh i wish it was it would have been so good the nets could have been the swamp dragons the devils also could have been the swamp dragons not at the same time would have been one another. <laughs> Yeah, they, or they or they could have both been the Swamp Dragons, which would have been <laughs> Swamp Dragons. Would have been great. Swamp Dragons BC and Swamp Dragons HC would have started a new trend. Because you also know that they wouldn't have been that like in conjunction. They would have both been it and been pissed off. The other one was also it, so it would have been like a bone of contention between the two ownership groups, assuming they were different. Um, that's just how Jersey works. So I don't know if they were different. Uh, they weren't for a time, but I think I don't think they've always been like. I mean, they're definitely not. In conjunction, they're not the same now. Right. But I think they were for a bit. But I don't know the, how long that was. Hmm. I, I I don't know. That was a long time ago. The time of the Jersey Nets seems so long ago. What's the net, what was the Nets mascot? Wasn't it like a stupid cat or something? It was a wolf. Oh, that makes sense. I think Sly. Yeah, it makes you know Nets a wolf. What's with the Islanders? That their their uh, mascot. Little known fact for, for non-New Yorkers, and Dan, you might not even know this one. Um, Actually, he wasn't a wolf. He was a silver fox, which yeah. doesn't make any more sense, right, but that's fine. less sense. <laughs> this might be affecting the Dan 
may or may not know, I definitely know it uh, because I used to go to games. Um, Sparky, I think his name is, or Spark, one or the other. Um, the, uh, the Islanders mascot is actually the uh, New York Dragons Arena football team mascot, just with new colors. I didn't know that at all. I actually was only vaguely aware the Islanders had a mascot, because so I don't follow hockey. Yeah, he, uh, he was the, the New York Dragons used to play at uh, Nassau Coliseum. I went to a couple games while I was a kid. Um, when the New York Dragons were around. It was, like, right at the height of the Arena Football League. It was, like, a few years after um, Kurt Warner. So, obviously, like, the league had broken out. There was the video game, the whole deal. Um, so, I have New York Dragons jersey for uh, Aaron Garcia, Jeff Garcia's brother or cousin. A person I did not know existed. <laughs> <laughs> he actually – no, he's the all-time leader in, uh, in passing yards in Arena Football history. He threw for, like, I think – I want to say, like, 140,000 yards. Like some like stupid nonsense like that. He played for, and this is his career history on Wikipedia: the Arizona Rattlers, the Connecticut Coyotes, a team that I did not support at six years old, apparently, the New Jersey Red Dogs, the Iowa Barnstormers, the Orlando Rage, the New York Dragons, the San Francisco 49ers, the Jacksonville Sharks, the San Antonio Talons, the San Jose Sabercats, the Orlando Predators, the Jacksonville Sharks, the Los Angeles Kiss. He played arena football or some whatever those leagues are. I'm not sure if they were all arena. For all those were arena. For 19 years. I used to follow arena football pretty closely. <laughs> it's amazing. He also went to Cal Cal State or Sacramento State. I'm assuming that's actually Cal State Sacramento. Yeah, I, I could mean, be wrong. We just out here. We just kind of use it interchangeably. So you can you can say either. Cool. So the more you know. Yeah, technically, San Diego State's Cal State San Diego. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was our. That was our diversion into arena football and some other things. I don't know that we ever had one of those, so at least it's new, a fresh, a fresh new diversion for us. Yeah. As opposed to the normal ones. Well, the New York Dragons. I guess we're diverting a little bit more. New York Dragons were actually the relocated Iowa Barnstormers, and even people who don't know arena football probably are familiar with the Iowa Barnstormers as the original home of Kurt Warner um, in the Indian Football League. And the Barnstormers so, moved in like 2001, I think. You have so much arena football knowledge and it's impressive. Um, Sacramento is taking Harry Giles with their second pick of the first round. Power crisis, a- crisis averted. Crisis averted for now. Yeah. And you know what? I think Giles is like, and it sucks, is like the perfect player to get like completely ruined by that team. I was kind of hoping the Nets would take him, just because like I think the Nets just need to go high variance, high upside, like hard, right. and that's why I really like the Brook Lopez trade with Russ for Russell. Um, but you know there are still guys on the board. Uh, I have no idea who they're going to take because uh, it seemed like everyone thought they were taking DJ Wilson, um, but he's off the board now. So we will find out live in like uh, a couple minutes. See, the Tom, Hawks are. Tom Penn looked like uh, what's his face um, from College Game Day from a distance. Uh, uh, Reese? No. Uh, what's his name? David, uh... Oh, uh, Pollock? Yeah. Like, from a distance, he looked like Pollock, and I'm like, you can't, no. You can't, you can't put Pollock on this show. Pollock's always just wearing a lot of makeup. That's fair. So we just talked a lot of, a lot of arena football for the live NBA draft. I love it. We're the worst... Like, easily the worst <laughs> podcast like, on the face of the earth. 
Like bar none. Um, yeah, to be honest, I might actually start hearing a football podcast now. Because I like the league's pretty much dead, and I, I just had this like encyclopedia of knowledge from like when I used to, I used to play the game all the time, and then I used to just like sit around on a, on arena football message boards and like because at the time like the arena football league was growing so quickly that like it was kind of like it was growing like at the same rate the D league is now, and like it was for me it was like the original like uh, realignment crack cocaine. Where there was just news and news and news and teams were moving and teams were getting new logos and like as a kid like I was all over that um, so yeah that, that was kind of my how I, I think I probably got into the realignment coverage game and, and, and all that um, in the years afterward but yeah an arena football podcast would probably do pretty well I, I think especially now that again the league's, the league's pretty much dead in the water Yeah, I feel like did they like lose their their media deal or like what's I don't even know. I feel like the last thing I heard about them was the kid, the LA Kiss becoming a thing, and then like that was it. So again, quick divergence. Um, right around like 2010, 11, like when they were actually like the games were televised. There were games on NBC. There were some games on ABC. Like ESPN had a deal with them. Um, they really weren't paying the players that much. However, like they kept raking in more and more from TV and more and more from marketing and ticket sales. However. Um, they really weren't paying the players uh, a ton of money. Uh, the players went on strike. The teams actually ended up declaring bankruptcy, dissolving um, the Arena Football League as it originally was. Um, many of the teams in both Arena Football and AF2, which was their quote-unquote minor league, um, and it was about like 30, 40 teams deep at one point, never made any sense. Um, about 10 to 15 of those teams came together to create um, a league Eventually, a couple of the other like better teams came back um, under what was called uh, Arena Football One for like a couple seasons, and then um, eventually they repurchased all of the old marks um, from the Arena League, um, including the logo. But you know they lost some of the bigger markets. They lost New York. Um, I mean the Orlando Predators, Arizona Rattlers, uh, the Tampa Bay Storm. And then a couple others were like kind of the, the stalwarts. Jacksonville Sharks became like one of like the, the main teams. Um, and then over time, more and more like money kept leaving, more and more teams kept leaving to some competitive leagues who just seemed to have their shit together more financially. Um, and then this year, there were only four teams competing, including like an expansion team in Washington. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're done because nobody's going to games and nobody's getting paid from what I can tell. Yeah, too bad, but. I never watched it, so I don't actually feel all that bad. I feel terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, while it seems like they're diverging a little bit um, on the draft, why don't we talk a little bit of Mac football, do a little halftime, and then we can get back to the draft and, again, more Mac football. Cool. So the Mac's fun. We talk about the Mac being fun all the time. Um, Dan, I'm very sad with PJ Flex gone. I, I think that if there was one team that did not deserve him, Minnesota would be near the top of the list. Um, I don't think they have enough talent to really take advantage of P.J. Fleck being there. Um, I thought on the way home that they should use the hashtag row the goaf if they don't already. Um, they just use regular row the boat, I think. They really need row the goaf. Also, if you look at P.J., I learned this the other day, if you look at P.J. Fleck's Twitter account, he uses the word elite in almost every tweet. 
mean, PJ Fleck is an elite human being, so I'm fine. I also agree. He's a, a weird cultural fit to Minnesota. Like, Doesn't their matter. coaches always seem very Minnesota. He is very not Minnesota, which means he's not going to be there that long if he succeeds, um, which I'm fine with. I hope he goes and takes over a big program because he is a lightning ball of fun. Uh, and Minnesota is not so much as a football program. At least maybe, maybe as of now, maybe they become one. Eh, I want to see... I want to see Texas Tech get tired of Cliff Kingsbury and just back up the truck. But will they be able to? Well, can Texas Tech outbid Minnesota? No, but I wish they could. Yeah, I feel like Texas Tech's just going to cycle through, like, leech prodigies until they find one that works. Yeah, because, uh... Who's the latest they were talking? Oh, well... I mean, they would have probably hired it, it Lincoln Riley. It would have been Lincoln Riley, but not anymore, unless he gets fired somehow in the next two years, which I don't think is going to happen, because I think Lincoln Riley is a pretty good coach. I mean, I, I don't know that. I just assume, I think he will be a pretty good coach. He hasn't actually coached yet. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in him, and I think the, the, the way Oklahoma's rebounded from a recruiting standpoint in the last couple of years definitely uh, sets them up for success. I think the current state of the Big 12 being kind of a shit show sets him up for some pretty solid success um yeah I, I think pj i think pj is too intense for to play out he, to be out here but i feel like i feel like if Louis, like if, if petrino leaves i think he'd be really fun at louisville i wouldn't like to be on the receiving oh end. i don't want that to happen <laughs> yeah uh, i agree again but, but I, he'd be he'd be a blast there that feels like a, a really good spot for him like i i think the one name and i don't think this is like connected to anything but uh, if, if it's a one-and-done situation in Minnesota, uh, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, shut down full cast, threw that out. Is that who it was? Okay. I knew I knew I was getting it from somewhere. Yeah, they threw that um, out as a joke, and then they, they said it was great because since, like, Knoxville's near the water, then row the boat works even better there. Also, like, the thing is, like, he's not a former Nick Saban assistant, so I don't know if he'll actually, they'll actually do that because that's, you know, how the SEC hires all of their coaches. Um, but. Except for Vandy. Go Doors. Um, yeah, that's been great. So. <laughs> yeah. <Huh>. Whatever. <laughs> they got a big recruit today. Did they? They, they beat out, like, everyone for something. He's, like, a three-star kid, but he's one of those three stars that's, like, how is this kid not rate higher? Because he's offered by literally every big school, I think. Except for, like, Oklahoma. Yeah, so, go, go Doors. Um, no, I, I mean, Fleck. It wouldn't shock me if he if he has any. Cause they, they're, the thing about Minnesota is like they're they're not coming from a bad place like in terms of like they've been pretty competitive the last couple of years. So it's not like he's stepping into a rebuild. Really, he's stepping into a situation where he's taking over a team that ran a very different system, right. which is going to be a bit of a transition. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I think he has some talent on the team. I don't know. If that's a lot, but uh, I do hope he gets out of there because I do want him in a more fun situation. Because Minnesota is just so. Blah. Yeah, I, uh, I could go for most of the SEC. I could go for... I don't want him in the ACC. I also don't think the ACC is really going to have many openings for the next year or two. Um, so that's not really going to help him out either. Um, I mean, maybe he just kind of timed it as well as he felt like he could. Like, Western lost a bunch of talent um, this offseason. No, I think he made the right move. Yeah, like, I mean, Minnesota wasn't the right move necessarily, but, I mean, if you look at the, the jobs, like, so many jobs have turned over and so many, like, jobs at schools that would make a se- make sense for him have turned over of late and on top of that like you look at um just like what western was losing like it was the right time to jump um and i'll just always thank him for his like goofy monopoly man strut that he pulled off 
after the, I think it was either the Bahamas Bowl or the Boca Raton Bowl or whatever the hell it was. Um, it was amazing. I wish, I can't find that gif anywhere. Like I've tried numerous times, like find, like, that should be one of his better. Um, I think that one's actually better than the Row the Boat gif. The Row the Boat gif is a classic. I'm looking for it now. Um, there needs to be more PJ Flood. There's like one of him like stage diving into a, his team after a big win. I don't think it was that. There were, I know it, I know I've seen the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like a very specific. He's just like he's just so much himself. Like there's he's just such a character, and I hope he ends up. You know where if he has to be in the ACC, you know where I could almost see him working out if the person that's there now retires in the next couple of years, Miami. I was gonna say that. I think Rick is he, there for the long haul, though, because Rick isn't alone. Yeah, but Rick's kind of old. Um, it wouldn't be shocked if Rick like got them to a better place where they're like winning nine, ten games, and then he's like, you know what, we're 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 solid. Let's I'm gonna because he's like sixty something. He's not like no gonna retire any like tomorrow. But we did just oh, he's only fifty seven. He's actually a little younger than I thought. Yeah, he's like what a year or two, a couple years old than Dino. Yeah, I mean, Rick kind of seems like a guy who could, like, do a Bob Stoops and, like, retire earlier than, than you think, but there's also a chance he just coaches, like, 10 more years there, and, and it's Miami, so if their expectations get in line to where they should be, like, you could be there for a while and have good success, and he's recruited really well, so, um, but in terms of, like, fit, like, cultural fit, if Rick, Rick wasn't, like, hadn't just gotten there, uh, that seems like it could have been a really fun, fun co- coach uh, team fit. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... Why don't we hit some halftime? Um, I know it's a little early, but hit some halftime, and then we can kind of just go straight through for the rest of this. Um, so Dan, the, the actual Mac talk that isn't about yeah, Minnesota actual, and Oklahoma and, and Miami. Miami. And arena football. <laughs> and a, a lot of arena football. Yeah. Um, okay. Dan, what have you been drinking of late? Uh, not a lot of interesting stuff. I'm currently drinking a Bell Point Grapefruit Stolpen. Um, which is lovely because I opened the fridge. I'm down at my Jersey Shore house with some friends. And I opened the fridge. I'm like, oh, I bought this last time I was here, so I'm going to drink it now. Um, I've had that a couple times, and then a lot of just kind of standard stuff. Uh, Myrtle Beach, not a great uh, beer scene, at least not the bars we went to. Like, a lot of just, like, Sam Adams and Yingling and boring stuff you can find everywhere. So not a lot of fun stuff to report. Uh, hopefully we'll do better in the near future. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, things I had... I uh, had some uh, Frucht Boysenberry from uh, the brewery. So they're uh, Berliner Weiss, and they have a lot of different fruited varieties. Um, that was the latest one that I checked out. Also had uh, Valise. It was their uh, sour uh, blonde ale aged in white wine barrels. It was pretty nice. There was a, a kind of... You had, like, the acidic of, of, of the sour, and then the white wine kind of melted it out uh, quite a bit. It was very interesting. Um, see, I had an Orderville IPA from Modern Times. Also had their 90 Isles. I hadn't had that before. Uh, and I was out at a bar in Culver City and tried out uh, Almanac's uh, Coffee Barbary Coast. Well, that was a bit of a heavier uh, Coffee Imperial Stout. Uh, that was that was it for me. I really didn't drink a ton last weekend. Have more this coming weekend. I'm going to head down to San Diego and hit up Pizza Port and uh, we go to Stone for a bit, so should have again some some better selections to uh, to toss out there. Cool. Well, we will both do better next week, hopefully. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right. So the Mac, since we're waiting for 
um, other things to happen in the draft. Um, Tyler Lydon was not picked by the Thunder. Terrence Ferguson is being picked by the Thunder, apparently. Hmm. Fair enough, guys. Don't don't show. Brooklyn's up. up. I'd be very happy if Brooklyn took him. I'd think- probably get. I don't know that I get a jersey, but we get a jersey. <laughs> I don't. I only do jerseys for baseball. Here's the thing: I feel weird wearing a basketball jersey at this point in my life. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Um, I don't begrudge people who do. I just like I don't know. Maybe if it's Lydon, I might might break my own rule. Yeah, I'm not. I don't wear. I only wear jerseys during games. Like you're never gonna see me like wearing a jersey like out in public. Out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I, I wore my mellow Syracuse jersey like however many times I went to a Syracuse team, so it's not like rule totally ruled out, but I think if Lydon got drafted by the by the Nets, I might consider it. Of course, then I'd be afraid that they'd trade him at any minute because the Nets just, you never know, like, none of those players are safe. Well, that's what I'm terrified of now. Like, of my, I have three Knicks jerseys. I have Stoudemire, Mello, and Porzingis. And <laughs> <laughs> one of them's gone already. <laughs> One is just hanging on based on a no trade clause and a dream, right. and, and the other, the other is being put in timeout because he's been a very bad boy. So yeah, my, my entire <laughs> my entire Knicks jersey collection could be uh, could be gone by the, by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, like when I bought, I had to buy a new Packers, well, I didn't need to, but I bought a new Packers jersey before last season, and like the Packers don't move players like all that often, and I also like the China Doe a little more obscure generally, not obscure, but like I don't I don't want Aaron Rodgers jersey. So I got a uh, an old school Charles Woodson, which I which holds up because he's not going to be unretired. I mean, he left the team eventually, but like Charles Woodson's always going to be on that Super Bowl team. So like that one ages well; it ages forever. Um, versus like you know, I could have gotten uh, someone else who you know could be gone, or like if I had gotten uh, Greg Jennings back in the day, and then he leaves and becomes an annoying Viking. Like <laughs> that's not great. Yeah, I feel you on that. I. Uh... I usually just try to stick to, like, who's going to be... Like, I felt like Porzingis was a good investment. I felt like Melo was, too. Um, when I bought the Stoudemire one, I did as well. Uh, but that was dumb on my part. Uh, I have an Eli Manning jersey, and that wasn't a bad idea at all. Um, because, no, 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 that yeah, one held up. He's yeah, not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I bought that one after the Super Bowl. Um, have a shocky jersey still. That one held up long enough. I feel like I got a decent amount of mileage on that. Um, what else do I have? Hockey jerseys are the best investment because, especially if you're a Rangers fan, because your team doesn't change uniforms ever, and my jersey doesn't have a name on the back, so it's always going to be fine. There you go. Yeah. Same with uh, like college football jerseys, too. I feel like you, uh, you get to make an investment in, in the name on the front of the uniform, not the back necessarily, which is fine. Probably the Nets are taking Jarrett Allen from Texas. From Texas. Alright. Center. Gonna replace Brooke, so that's fine. I don't know that much about him. He's, <laughs> should he's have, an, I should have taken a screenshot of uh of what it had on the screen. <laughs> For the Nets. I missed it. J- it's a Jalen's team needs everything. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> not not point guard. We got ours our point guard now. He did. The Nets did something uh well. Let's uh let's let's applaud them for that. Yeah, I actually like. I mean, I like the move they made. As I brought up before, I like the I like the uh, tournament administration because like they literally have no like they have nowhere to go but but up. Like you literally can't be worse than Billy King. Um, 
if you all wanted to look, I wrote a thing on a couple weeks ago on every trade that Billy King made as Nets GM. It's ugly. Um, not just the Boston one. Uh, so now, like, they, they understand, like, they're in a really shit situation, so they are just doing their best, and they got a former number two pick who was pretty decent for two years, if not, you know, outstanding, uh, for a player they were going to lose anyway. Um, so, pretty content, like, and overall, and they've actually drafted pretty well the last couple of years, so. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this. They took a, a young six foot eleven center who averaged thirteen and like thirteen and a half and eight and a half in the mid twelve. So that's not bad. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. He's only nineteen too, which is good. He's not like one of those twenty one year old freshmen. Mm. All right, so now we can talk Mac football because we're really bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> we're so bad, miserably awful at this. Um, all right, so just to recap the MAC a little bit from last year, um, Ohio and Western Michigan met in the uh, MAC championship game. Western Michigan won that game. Western Michigan was undefeated until the Cotton Bowl, where they lost to Wisconsin. Uh, it was a great season for them, best in school history, I'd argue. Um, the MAC has been uh, pretty top-heavy in the West of late. Um, the East has always been kind of a, a grab bag. I know last year, Ohio and Miami of Ohio went 6-2 and two each. Uh, Miami pulled the rare, uh, like, start 0-6, finish 6-0 and 0 thing, which, uh, which I found entertaining. Uh, Bowling Green without Dino Babers did not do well. They also lost a ton of talent. So, again, like, just like teams have to time the jump in terms of whether they're changing conferences or whatever, like, coaches have to time the jump in terms of when they're going to go get a better job. And, like, Dino timed the Bowling Green jump pretty well, like, uh, Bowling Green lost a bunch um, from 2015, 2016, so he, he did a nice job uh, making that transition. Uh, the rest of the East is kind of weird. Kent State never knows what it is. Buffalo sucks. Uh, Akron is always like on the cusp of something, but nothing that great. But then the West, I mean, the West last year like had legitimately like five great, I mean, not great, but like had five really good teams and like probably two teams that were in Western Michigan and Toledo, um, you know, that were among the class of the G5, and I think that that is uh, something to watch out for again this year, um, see if the guard changes a little bit um, with Toledo finally, like, getting past uh, what's been a pretty, um, you know, hard ceiling for them with Western Michigan and, uh, and Northern Illinois before them, uh, kind of preventing them from reaching the heights uh, that people thought the Rockets could. Yeah, it's really been a firewall um, between Fleck kind of surging way ahead with Western Michigan from like one and eleven in year one to thirteen and zero in year three. I think oh, no, year four. I think he had two, eight, and six years in between. Um, and then uh, obviously Northern Illinois has been really good for a while um, up until the last year or two uh, where they've fallen off. But uh, they still went five we'll see. in the league this past year. Yeah, what did they finish overall? They were five and seven. So. It was yeah. So the bad. Who are they playing on conference? Where they got killed like that they they kind of test themselves in non-conference i don't understand why yeah this year they have bc so not really i mean it's a it's a power five east illinois and then they're at nebraska at san diego state that's tough that's really rough last year they lost at wyoming in three overtimes which is tough that's that's like that's before wyoming was really good too yeah um they lost at usf uh, they got stomped at USF. Um, which is a really good team. Right. They lost at home by a couple touchdowns to San Diego State, which 
If you're SDSU, another good team. I don't know why you schedule that game, but whatever. That's weird. And then they lost I to guess... Western Illinois. Oh well, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah I mean they might game. just. That's not good. Yeah. Especially it costing you a potential bowl. That's rough. Well, I honestly like I wrote an article midway through last year where I was like, "What the hell's going on?" Like, where like Bowling Green and. I mean, it was kind of like, this is the latest evidence of, like, you know, the max, like, where, like, every everything in that conference is controlled by a coaching cycle, and every, like, you know, two or three years is, like, a class of coaches that, like, quote-unquote graduate uh, to somewhere else, and then their teams kind of, like, tank for the next, like, five to seven years until they make the next good hire. Um, Eastern Michigan's really, like, Eastern Michigan and Buffalo are probably like, the only schools that are really, like, not that don't exist within that cycle, I, I think, you know, all time in the Mac. Yeah. So looking at things, and I was pretty sure this was the case, and it's very jarring. Rod Carey's toast if he doesn't, like, bounce back this year, right? Like, Correct. It's bad. So he took over for Dave Doran. Um, he lost in the Orange Bowl, which is fine. You can do that. Uh, and then he went 12-2. and That's good. And lost the points at a bowl, points at a bowl, which is fine. Then they went 11-3. Good again. And they went 8-6. and six. They tied for first in the West, but still, you know, it that's fine, maybe down here. And then last year they went five and seven. Obviously, we're better in the MAC, but still five and seven. And losing to Western Illinois is not great. So maybe the fact that their kind of their schedule is really tough kind of hides a little bit. But there's definitely a slide here. Um, they got a little I ballsy think, though with the scheduling. Yeah, that too. And a lot of that we know how scheduling works. So it's like you know they're two years, two or three years out and ahead. So they're scheduling these. They probably built that schedule coming off of either a tw- eleven or twelve win year. Um, so that's tough, and that's you know one of the problems with college football. Uh, which Syracuse fans are intimately aware of, especially if you're listening to this podcast and reading the website uh, from which it comes. Um, but if you're a Mac team, like, not that much reason to be that ballsy in general. Uh, like, you know, if you want to take one big shot to try to knock someone off, I get that, but... You go undefeated, you're, you're making you're making a access bowl. Period. Yeah, West, Western Michigan didn't really challenge themselves last year. Like, they, they were just good, and they beat a bunch of teams that they should have beat. And they still almost beat Wisconsin. <laughs> Yeah, kinda. And I mean, we knew that they knew they were good, but like, it wasn't like they, you know, went out there and played, you know, three Big Ten schools and and had to pull all these crazy upsets. They, like, who did, who did they play non conference last year? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't like a Northwestern, Illinois, Georgia Southern, and NC Central. So not awful, to be honest. So they beat two Big Ten teams, but they beat a mediocre uh, Northwestern, which was. They had no idea what it was doing early in the year. No. Illinois, who was terrible. Um, who, who, what was the other team you said? The uh, Georgia third Southern. team? Georgia Southern, who had a down year. Um, that's a tough schedule. So they like, tried, uh, yeah. They kind of tried, but it broke for them, and it doesn't really matter if they tried or not. Uh, it. I almost just started through an Lincoln Park reference, but I'll save you all from that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it broke to where it was an easy schedule, and no one really cared because they went 13-0, so it it worked. That's why I'm high on USF this year. Because I think their schedule yeah. is a joke. And they can easily just kind of... I mean, not like a complete joke, but it's easy enough where they can really... If they can just manage their shit in, in the uh, American Athletic Conference, then they're, then they're fine. And, and they'll, be, they'll be playing on a New Year's Day bowl, uh, bowl game. Yeah, I'm looking now. San Jose State, Stony Brook at UConn. That is... Uh, and Illinois, who they should beat by two touchdowns. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Well, UConn's in conference. Well, no, UConn's in conference. Uh, yeah. UMass. UMass. Who might as well be in the American Athletic Council. Yeah, shout out to UConn. Take UMass. Come on, do it. Do it. Um, okay. So, 
yeah, with all that in mind, um, I think you're right. I think Carrie is almost done. I think, and I mentioned this elsewhere too, like Dave Dorn is like, his entire career is pretty much based on Jordan Lynch's success. And I don't know why more people aren't like putting that together. But like you look at what he's done with decent players at NC State and it's not much. And if you look at like what he did at Northern Illinois, what Northern Illinois has been since, like, I, I, don't, I don't think it, it, it's much of a hot take to say that like Jordan Lynch was at least like 50% of Dorn's career. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the, bell, the bell cow. Um, obviously, they haven't done nearly as much uh, since. Who was, who was the coach before Doran? I'm like, it's blanking on it. Uh, somebody important? Someone, he followed someone, Jerry Kill. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so he inherited Jerry Kill's team. defensive coordinator now? He, sounds right. Uh, One or the other, defensive or offensive? Yeah, offensive, offensive, apparently. Weird, because I never saw Minnesota Definitely. an offensive juggernaut. Definitely would have guessed Jerry Kill was a defensive coordinator, and that is why you do not uh, speculate like that. That's why we have Wikipedia open during these podcasts. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, back to Toledo a little bit, because I feel like, you know, Toledo has been pesky for about a decade here, um, and, and yet they've really not had many chances to break through just because of, you know, other powers in the conference. Um, you know, going back a decade... Uh, Northern Illinois has been pretty good the entire time. Central Michigan's had some breakthrough seasons. Western obviously broke out last year. Um, you know, Matt Campbell did well enough at uh, Toledo to get himself the Iowa State job. So obviously they're doing something right. But I, I do think that this is the year. Um, and then even before Campbell, wasn't it was uh, Daryl Hazel, right, who was their head coach before that? He was uh, – I'm, I'm looking um... – was he Toledo or was he? I thought it was Toledo. I get all these medicals mixed up in terms of them putting head coaches elsewhere. Uh, Daryl Hazel was Kent State. Yeah, well, somebody else was the Toledo coach before this. I'm looking for it. <laughs> I was trying to find who it was before. Uh, before uh, it was Tim Beckman. Oh, there you go. It's it's really funny. I love that. Like how many Mac coaches go to the Big Ten and to the same like five to ten schools flame out yeah, and then someone else goes does the same while it's it's so funny i, I love it so much well, it's amazing too because it obviously like, doesn't work like there there's so many i feel like the mac coaches that go to the big 10 like without going somewhere else first like screw it up like you look at like urban meyer like left bowling green went to utah went to florida <laughs> went to ohio state like especially going to like non like hard to win places like Making that jump um, is tough. And you could make the argument, some people probably think Dino you know, Babers did that, and it's not totally unfair. Um, but he also was on a, a different timeline since he's older. Um, I think Matt Campbell, like, like obviously Iowa State's not the, the easiest place to win, but I, I think that's probably a little more feasible than than going to, like, Illinois or going to, like, well, Purdue. Illinois tough to win at. They just all are tough to win They're just, just bad. And they do things like hire Luffy Smith, um, who has no college experience. Um, Toledo uh, does. I mean, they have put out other coaches. Uh, Jerry Pinkle and Nick Saban were back-to-back coaches there in from ninety to two thousand. Way to go, guys! You've done it. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good stretch of hiring. Well, Saban was only there for a year. Oh, well, um, still. Pinkle actually was probably one of the more underrated coaches of the last twenty years. Yeah, he's he was there for 
uh, he was there from 91 to, to 2000, which I, considering how long he was at Mizzou, that's like, it's shocking that he spent that long at two different jobs. Like, it just seemed like he was at Mizzou for 30 years. Yeah, man, he just, I don't, like, his tenure was odd just because, like, it wasn't always consistent. But when you look at, like, when you really sit down and digest, like, the back half of his tenure, especially, like, the championship season, well, the division championship seasons at uh, in the SEC, like, Pinkle really did a great job. And, like, Mizzou, when we were growing up, like, was garbage. And just think about what Mizzou is. Like, it's not in a great recruiting area. They were playing in the SEC. Granted, it was the SEC East, but still the SEC. Uh, before that, they were in the Big 12, which was tough, and he won uh, division titles three of the last five years. They were in the Big 12. Um, like, it's Mizzou's not, like, an easy job uh, by any means, and he did, I think he was uh, he was doing about the, like, upper end of what you could expect a uh, Mizzou coach to do. Yeah, 100%. I, I would say that, I would say the expectations around Mizzou's head coach, like, should probably be down a rung from what Pinkle pulled off, which is going to make things very hard for for Barry Odom, you know, figuring things out in the job because I don't think he's going to be able to live up, and that's not necessarily his fault. So we have uh, the Toronto Raptors just at OG and Anobi, so another potential light in place uh, is off the board. Yeah, I'm not having much faith anymore. Um, I mean, Portland uh, is Portland still 26? I don't know. Yeah, I Who know. knows? Um, LA at 28, I think we've seen a little bit. Um, the Spurs would be sweet because, like, I say, I said on, on the car right here, I think, or when I was on my way to the shore with a friend, like, I think if anyone going to the Spurs is good, like, if you can go to the Spurs, you're you're happy about that. And that'd be perfect for him. Yeah, so we will keep you updated on the thing that you already know is where Tyler Lydon get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> you you all know this. We're gonna keep you updated on the thing that you have found out like 12 hours ago. Just, just stick here. We'll, uh... <laughs> First, we will have it to you probably like 75th. At, at best. <laughs> uh, one team we haven't talked about yet in the MAC. I know we're not like going through all the teams, but I think these are just like fun storylines and, and stuff like that. And we kind of changed up how we were doing it this year, so not to bore you all to death. Um, another team that I think it, it was a great storyline last year and could be even a better storyline this year, um, Eastern Michigan. Um, last, time, last year around this time, uh, EMU students, its faculty, were talking about like petitioning to get rid of the football program. I believe they did petition to remove the football program, and like thousands of people signed it. The students were kind of over it, um, and then the Eagles went out and won seven games for like the third time in school history. Which uh, yeah, they go. were uh, they were surprisingly competent. Uh, they went to a, they went to a bowl, right? They did they make a bowl. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, yeah, they, they, I know they well, went to a bowl. I think it was... They like, had to have, because it was 7 it, 6. Was it the Bahamas Bowl against ODU, maybe? This that is sounds not, right. This is me not looking at anything. <laughs> we refuse. We we like the story, but we're, we're not to naturally look up to see where Eastern Michigan played their bowl game last year. Uh, I will find it. Um, I think I think that's right. They played... Yeah, they, they lost to ODU 24-20 in the always fun Bahamas Bowl. Which I actually, I know last year I belabored not being able to watch it. I ended up watching it on the plane. Which was great. Apparently there was a protest after something, I think, it, is it about? I'm, I'm trying to remember, I'm clicking on articles I, we've heard about history mission and I think they might have protested uh, the whole, oh no, it was a different thing. Um, they did call for the football team to be uh, to be dropped from Division One, which 
like I get like if you're wasting a lot of money on it, I totally get it. It's just sad because like I don't like I don't. We thought this last game. I don't want to see any teams dropping from D one. Yeah. I like I like the, the the colorful array of schools that we have uh, in Eastern Michigan. Um, maybe not colorful is not the right word considering everything they do is now uh, like iron colored gray, but they are they are making an effort to be different, and uh, that does get you some points. Yeah, and I mean, like, Chris Creighton's a rising name, and I feel like he's the type of guy who, like, if he pulls off, like, another seven, maybe even eight-win season this year, which, like, would baffle most, including us, like, 12 months ago, like, he's probably gone somewhere else. Oh, 100%. I mean, he he was timing out of the box higher, right? Drake is, uh, he was not, at Drake. Not really a power, I mean, and they're over in the Pioneer League, and they're, uh, Pioneer League. One of our. It's been a bit, but we are we are still the Pioneer, the official Pioneer League podcast. Um, no, like he's not one of those like he's not, he didn't touch one of those classic uh, FCS programs that you expect to see coaches coming from. Um, I just appreciate like, and we saw Buffalo do this with uh, the Lance Leopold. Um, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, obviously that was a little bit more drastic, but I, I like when schools that need to be creative aren't like weird about it like just don't be be creative like if you want to paint your field gray and make it look really ugly that's fine at least it's different and if you want to go hire trade set coach who was not an obvious like bump up to fps guy uh it might work out and to this point like you can't really argue with the results and i know he you know his record overall isn't great and it took him a while but eastern michigan was so bad for so long um the fact they made a bowl last year is pretty remarkable. Like they were, he's ten and twenty-seven in his career there, and they went seven and six last year. So you can do the math on that. <laughs> They've I've been pretty bad. I've honestly got them at like I think when I ran through like my initial, and I'm going to update these in the next like month. Um, my initial run through the country of, you know, everybody's win-loss records. I think I had them at seven and five or so. Maybe better. I might have had them at eight and four even. Well, a big they key, back, like, and they bring back everyone, including maybe the best quarterback named quarterback in college football. Uh, there, there are probably there are a couple other contenders too. Brogan Roback is just apparently Leiden got picked. Sorry. Oh, uh, Jazz. Uh, Denver. Denver. I don't know how he fits there. I have no idea. I can't like. That's not one of the school. Not the schools. That's not one of the franchises I expected. No, it is not. Uh, let's see. I'm going to do a very quick, like, recap of who Denver has, and we're going to talk about it a bit. Yeah, we can actually talk about the draft. Way to go, us. <laughs> they have all the guys they already had. Who um, the hell is Denver on this list? Like, when do they pick in this draft? I think they traded with, oh. uh, with the Jazz, um, a.k.a. the franchise that you often probably confuse with Denver. Um, I do like the Jazz, though. They're legit, even though they're going to lose their best player. Um, well, maybe debatably the best player. Denver, this is tough. Like, I, they, they, Denver's a very weird roster. Um, they have Gary Harris, who had a breakout year, um, averaged almost 15 a game. They have Dalinari, who is basically like proto Leiden. Um, I do wonder. Uh, they have Jokic, who is great. Uh, Farid, who might be on his way out at some point soon. They're like uh, a starless roster, but they have like a lot of really interesting role players. Um, Jamal Murray had some flashes. Emmanuel Moutier, I think, has been rumored to be on the move. 
Um, I actually kind of like him for a point guard for Leiden, just he's very, uh, he should be a kind of a, more of a distributor, although, you know, only four assists per game this year, but he only played in 55 and he's still young. Um, it's an interesting lineup. It's an interesting roster. There aren't a lot of, I don't know if there are a lot of guys blocking Leiden from playing, really. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think he would have been a better fit on the Jazz, but I think that, that Denver provides some intrigue. Um, I definitely, he does seem like the most Utah Jazz player possibly ever. Um, but no, instead he'll play for Denver, and that's cool. Um, another Syracuse grad gets drafted by the Nuggets. I think the first since uh, Carmelo Anthony. To my, yeah. Yeah, which is something. Uh, Syracuse also extends its school record uh, now with six straight uh, first-round picks. Yeah. Is way to go us for, again, it, I put this article up uh, last week. Don't necessarily have to have players make it in the NBA necessarily to make it a successful run and to be, you know, a pretty solid um you know, just recruiting pitch for us. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's players believe in themselves. So it's not that important. I don't think it's that important, like, to say, like, oh, our players aren't busts because guys aren't going to go to Syracuse saying, oh, if I go here, I might be an NBA bust. Like, they just want to know that your you coach has connections yeah. and you're going to have, you know, being ESPN all the time, which Syracuse is. Like, you just, that's why Kentucky is so impressive. Like, they haven't put on, they put in a couple superstars. John Wall's great, Buggy Cousins. Uh, Anthony Davis, but like for the sheer amount, a lot of those guys haven't turned into huge players, but it's the sheer amount of them. Um, and it's you just know if you're going to Kentucky that you are going to be in the spotlight and people are going to expect you to go to the NBA and you're almost like you have a very good chance of being a first round pick. Um, Syracuse obviously isn't on that level at all, but it's like you know if you're going to SU, like there aren't very many schools putting in more players. There's like maybe a handful. And granted, we haven't had a superstar since Melo. But we've had a couple useful players. We have Deion Waiters, who is quickly becoming the best player in the NBA. <laughs> and um, you just know you're going to get a shot, which is really all you can ask for. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what, what's lost on. Because, you know, I'm not even seeing the hate necessarily from, like, opposing fans and stuff. It's really just our own fans who just, A, hate all of our players that go to the NBA for some reason, and B, like, just keep talking shit about the fact that, like, we don't, you know, turn these players into all-stars, like, I mean, that's, that would be great if it was always true, but, like, that's not even true for Duke or Kentucky or anybody else. Like, right now, we're kind of fighting above our weight a little bit in terms of turning players into into draft picks, and that's fine. Like, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily think having, like, quote-unquote busts when, like, people... Waiters was a reach, and he's not a bust. So, like, Flynn was a bust because Minnesota's, um, you know, training staff was garbage. West never should have been drafted where he was because he didn't really have a position, and he really was kind of at the height of what he was going to be when he left Syracuse. Like, yes, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there, there's plenty of reasons why with every one of these players um, that, you know, they either fell short by a little less than people think or, you know, lived up to probably what they should have to begin with. Yeah, I am now worried that, I, I realize now that Nuggets, like, salty Nuggets fans who are still mad about uh, Carmelo uh, are going to not give him a fair shake. Eh. I don't know if they're going to care. I mean, about the Syracuse connection, anyway. 
Maybe not, but you, as as we all know, uh, sports fans can be uh, slightly uh, less than um, logical about things. This is true. Self included at times. I'm not seeing a ton of reaction, but we are in like the late first round, so it's not like everyone's going to be freaking out over who the who the the Denver Nuggets picked. Who Nuggets are in like one of the weirder spots in the NBA in terms of like roster and. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, they're not bad enough to, like, have all the sisters talk, but they're not good enough to even sniff, really. I mean, I don't know how far out of the playoffs they were this year, but they weren't all that close, I don't think. Uh, uh, I think um, they were hanging around for a little bit, at least. I thought they were, like... Possibly. Did, did like they finish off? Maybe. I'll find it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's tough to project, like, because they, they, they're just such an interesting team because they have a lot of guys. There's... All- not many like dead like black hole in that rock and Gallinari is like one of the guys that is probably most like Lydon in in the end currently um so I do hope that he isn't buried on the bench although it, it's if they're not contending um which they ended up finishing actually yeah they were ninth they, they finished two 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 below 500 which is not bad for who they have uh one game out um behind the Blazers um so it, you know he will maybe be in playoff contention next year uh uh it's it's tough. It's tough to really to really tell. It's like I thought with OKC, he made a lot of sense. I thought with Toronto, considering they need some stories at forward, they made a lot of sense. Atlanta, he fit their system really well. Um, this was not one of the places I thought we would see him, but uh, or something. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right. So now that Lyde's been picked, uh, we've actually kind of reached um, the endish of our time. Um, I'm going to definitely write up something tonight about kind of how he fits into the Nuggets. Um, probably talk to our Denver blog, who I don't recall the name of at the moment. But uh, is Dan, uh, any parting thoughts about Tyler Lydon, your Nets, or anything else? Um, I'm happy that Lydon went in the first round. I hope that gets all of the, uh, he should have saved people off his, off his back, even though that wasn't really uh, a legitimate argument considering what the NBA draft is now. Um, and uh, hopefully he gets some PT next year. I, I just hope he doesn't get better. I hope he gets a, a good shot. And I, I think, if anything, like that seems like a roster where a rookie should get a shot to play a little bit. And uh, there aren't, aside from Dalinari, there aren't a ton of, I don't see another like, obvious stretch four on their team. So maybe maybe this is a good situation. I just don't know enough about that roster to, to really tell. Um, and... Uh, as far as the rest of the draft, the Nets, as I said, I'm like pretty cool with what they're doing generally. I hope D'Angelo Russell turns into a superstar. And uh, I hope the rest of this NBA draft is ridiculous. The last couple days of NBA has just been out of control. Also, Philly just traded back into the first round to take a, a European player. So, very Philly. That is very Philly. Um, ends up the Nuggets don't have a D-League team. How many teams don't have D-League team? Uh, listed down to three now. Portland. They're one of them? Yeah, Portland, Denver, and somebody else. Who do they, like, send their players to? There's, like, one team that isn't... I think it might be the, the Iowa Energy. The, no, the Iowa Energy. Or the now. Defenders? No, well, no, now they're the South Bay Lakers. Oh, really? I yeah, didn't know that. I wanted... Their logo's actually really cool, uh, and I don't like the Lakers. I, uh, they play, like, 15 minutes away from me now. And I kind of want to see if they'll let me, like, embed myself as a reporter all season. <laughs> The first image result on like the random Google page is the Defenders logo for stuff. It has a pretty good, pretty good logo. 
Yeah, it's like it's just like a slightly altered version of the Lakers one, but like with some light blue added. I like it. And like the Manhattan Beach Pier and everything. It's pretty solid. The one without the without the tattoo looks like an SB Nation logo. I feel like it's a lot of sports logos. Today. <laughs> I think that's just a design thing now, and they as the, the site was just ahead of it. Way to go, guys! <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note, uh, congrats to Tyler Lydon. Uh, oh, let me plug. Uh, I need to plug the oh, thing. Shoot, um, yeah, go for it. yeah, anyone in the Philly area. Um, I was sent an email uh, from someone from the Philly alumni group, and uh, I do think this pertains to a lot of you. Um, so the TBT game there, uh, which is, uh, I don't remember the date, which is not great, but you probably know when it is. Uh, tickets for it, 25% off, uh, and $5 tickets uh, for each ticket purchased uh, with this promo code, go to the SCPAC, which I'm guessing is the Philly Alumni Club. So I'm guessing Syracuse University, Syracuse University Philadelphia Alumni Club, uh, SUPAC. Um, use promo code uh, orangealum25 uh, and I think we can put something in the post probably about this because I'm not explaining it well oh, but uh, if you're if you're going I, I forwarded you to the emails, email so that has more information um, but yeah if you're going to that might as well get 25% off and go see uh, Dante and CJ and Devo and Rick and it's a fun team I'm looking forward to it because TBT is always fun same same alright um so that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Troy Names and Absolute Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go orange in spirit, I guess. Go Tyler Lydon. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.